Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's always the ongoing controversy of the male versus the female, the masculine versus the feminine. And today we're going to be talking about with the author of the book, The Masculine in Relationship, G.S. Youngblood. So you're going to want to listen to this because I just bet you have an opinion. Stay tuned. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Welcome to Save Your Sanity. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. I'm so glad you're here. If you're returning, welcome again. And if you're new, welcome to the podcast. Here we talk about all things that have to do with help for toxic relationships. And we are with someone today that is going to be interesting, topical, and maybe even controversial. So welcome to the program, GS. Thank you, Dr. Shaler. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here, too. G.S. Youngblood is the author of this book, The Masculine Relationship, and he says he coaches men in relationships on how to live, love, and lead from their masculine core. Oh, we've got so much to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) That's an Um, ominous ominous introduction. (laughs) Yes, and he says he specializes in nice guys who are with strong women. His teachings combine deep embodiment work with the framework of the masculine blueprint from his book. I have had a good look at this book. I have questions. Brace yourself, GS. <laughs> mm. Here we go. Here we go. So why did you write this book? I wrote this book to help other men not make the same mistakes that I did. I, 10, well, now 11 years, went through a divorce that was very hard. And um, it was a learning experience for sure. I think our greatest pain is is often our greatest motivation. And for me, it was... It was such a motivation to find out why did this go so badly? And, um, and really over the years, as I, as I went into men's work and, and was learning myself and then being also in a subsequent long-term relationship, practicing what worked, what opened her up, what closed her down, what opened me up and what closed me down. And the learning started to build up. I was noticing patterns and I would take notes. And at some point, I said to myself, this could be a book. And uh, I set myself to putting together all these learnings uh, that either I'd learned elsewhere or come up with myself and put them together in a book so I could really help other men. And it's a, it goes deeper than that. It's not just helping the men, but as somebody who had family during my divorce, I want to save families. You know, it's those kids who you never want to have that talk of, hey, mommy and daddy have decided to split up. And so it really, it, you know, if I can save one family, one kid from having to hear that talk, I'm very, I'll feel fulfilled. Okay. Um, yes, that's a difficult talk to have, but there are some families in which that is the most important and necessary talk to have. <laughs> so when we're dealing with toxic relationships, we will 
find those differences as we go along. So um, you had a personal experience with this, which is always an important thing. And kudos to you for wanting to explore more deeply into what happened rather than just move on and think that, oh, it'll be better next time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or or just blaming her, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, she's just that way and, you know, it'll be fine the next time. Really digging into into my own inner workings. Yes. Okay, so you talk about and use this phrase, men in their full power. What do you really mean by that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what the book is intended to define. You know, what is what is this masculine energy? What is What are the qualities of it? And there's a lot of things that are mistaken for masculine energy, you know, and, and those turn into this alpha male concept and uh, can go as far as misogyny and other bad behaviors. But I wanted to create a template for masculine power that was it fit with the modern world where there's a lot of gender equality. There's not this this inequity of times gone past. And the blueprint is how I defined a man in his power. And so it's number one, it's a man who is grounded. Uh, There's a certain level of stillness, presence and um, uh, awareness in him. That is apparent even without hearing him talk. And so that's where the first part of the blueprint comes in, which is called respond versus react. Uh, The second part is a man who has clarity and who brings direction into the relationship. It doesn't mean he's the only one bringing direction, but he's clear about what he needs, what he wants, what his boundaries are. And he's very open about that. And as as the couple tries to navigate life, he's bringing his clarity to the equation. It doesn't mean that she won't also do that. It's not mutually exclusive. But a man who's got clarity about what he needs, wants, uh, et cetera, and then brings directionality and structure to the relationship is the second part of the blueprint. And the third part, I think a man in his power is one who creates safety for his partner. And that could be most, most prominently as emotional safety. It can also be physical and financial safety. Uh, in the book, I focus mainly on emotional safety. So a man that knows how to bring safety to his feminine partner uh, is the third part of the blueprint. So for me, that's the definition, a very actionable definition of masculine power in relationship that I've tried to bring to the world. And that's my offering. Good. Well, I think emotional safety is a big thing. You know, one of the things that I am known for is breaking the bonds of emotional abuse. Mm -hmm. So emotional safety is something that if people went into relationship, people, any people of any gender, um, go into relationship wanting to create a safe place for themselves and the other, that is a great starting point. Mm -hmm. But many times our own level of personal safety, our emotional safety within ourselves, the conversations that we're having within ourselves Mm -hmm. uh, cause us to be fearful of the other and want to take up more space, or we don't want to hear what the other person has to say for fear that they will make us feel unsafe. Mm -hmm. And so we get into a, a difficulty there. What's your response to that? Well, I think you hit it on the head. Um, in the book, I've got a whole chapter on threat. And one of the core thesis, theses of the book is most men's, what I you know call non-masculine behaviors. Oh, good plug there. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> but most men's, you know, quote unquote, non-masculine behaviors come out because they've gone into a state of threat, which is what you were describing. Like they don't feel that level of safety within themselves. And that's the first part of the blueprint is respond versus react. So a lot of my work is, is getting men's nervous systems grounded so they can have, they come out of a state of threat and they can actually be here now and reacting to what's actually happening 
rather than playing the movies in their head, acting out their childhood wounds and any of that. So I love how you characterize that. And then when I am not in a state of threat, when I've got my nervous system grounded uh, and I'm here now, then I can start to tune into your distress and the ways that you're in pain. And that's when a couple can really, can really click. And I think most of the women who reach out to me in the context of this work um, are expressing like absolute resonance with yes, emotional trust and safety are the number one things to make them open, relax, and, and also be more present in the, in the moment of the relationship. So yeah, it's safety on both sides that needs to be achieved. Oh, I absolutely agree. I mean, a woman is not going to be engaging if she doesn't feel safe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that aside from a little bit of the courting behavior of how do you like me so far and the energy that goes with that it, there are feelers for safety that are going out yeah. at all times. So yes. very, very important. So there's so many things to talk about with you. So what do you think it is that makes relationships go sideways based on these things you've already laid out? Yeah. I'll, um, let's see. There, uh, yeah. There's so many dynamics. Let's boil it down to one. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to use you and me just like we're playing the, the archetypes of masculine feminine in a relationship. So you start to feel distress about something, usually probably a way that I'm not conscious or not making you feel safe. You, your distress starts to manifest in certain behaviors. I don't understand those behaviors. So I label you as either in my mind or overtly as crazy. And I dismiss those or go into some other uh, non-optimal behavior, like withdraw, blame, defensiveness, all of those things. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the core dynamic. If you ask me, you know, there's a lot of a nuance to it and, and much more richness to it, but that's the core, um, dynamic that I see at play that creates a lot of toxicity in a relationship. Yes. And I, you know, I think that our, my definition of toxic relationship and yours has, has different parameters. Toxic relationships to me are certainly unsafe, but they are relationships in which one party is endeavoring to take up all the space mm-hmm. and have control, have mm-hmm. manipulation. And the other party is expected to comply and made to feel smaller, discounted, or dismissed when they yeah. want to take up some space. And, and we then create definite inequity. You know, in my podcast, episode 115. I'm always referring people to that episode because it's on the three must-haves of a healthy adult relationship. No matter what that relationship is, even with your parents, once you have become an adult, you need to have a healthy adult relationship with your parents. And those three foundational things are equality, reciprocity, and mutuality. And if we don't have those things, we don't have a hope of having a healthy relationship as an adult. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this speaks to that very piece of if those things are present, you will feel safe. But if you don't, then you're vying for space. And Mm -hmm. that's very, very different. So things will go sideways um, if you feel like you don't have a sense of equality. And that's different than equity. Yeah. And let me see, how would I take that? And I, I, the, 
Yeah, my experience is when men go into their threat state, then they start to have dominating behaviors, you know, and that could be just defensiveness, it could be blame or anger, you know, some guys have a real anger response, and they and they just try to cow their female partner into submission. Mm -hmm. But I also think even withdrawal is a dominating behavior, because I'm just going to withdraw, I'm going to withdraw my my presence, my affection, the connection between us, I'm going to punish you with that. Mm -hmm. And that's, that is dominating behavior. And that is what I'm trying to get men out of, you know. Good. They, and and I would also add to your list there, get them out of stonewalling. Stonewalling too. Right. Yeah. Where they are always, you know, talk to the hand. You know, I'm not come interested back. in what you're come, doing. Come back when you're calmed down. Yes. Or I'm going to talk over you. Yes. And and that is that is very dismissive behavior. We will never get to equality with those behaviors dominant. Yeah, and it, can I just comment on that? Sure. And just even just the way, like it's like I, you know, I think in English or I think in Spanish. Like the language I think in is when I'm teaching men not to do those behaviors. It's not in the pursuit of equality, even though that's absolutely I think a great outcome it's actually in the pursuit of their own power because it's more powerful to be able to sit there and be open to your partner's input rather than this, this is this, you know, the stonewalling is actually weakness in them. And I try to get them to see that, that just taking a pause and actually being training yourself to be able to receive your feminine partner's pain. That's, that's true masculine power. Without going into the fear of what do I do with this? What do I do with this? Because that's one way that men respond is when they don't know what to do with something, they tend to go, I'm just going to get bigger. <laughs> and, and that's threatening to women. Yeah, they don't like that. So we're back to the safety issue, but it's so very important to understand mm -hmm. the dynamic, right? Mm -hmm. Because the toxicity that I look at are people who have long-term pain that probably created in childhood, that their feelings about themselves, their feelings of safety in the world, their understanding of how they can survive in the world are based on power over. Yeah. And I think we want to make a clear distinction between masculine power and anything that sounds like power over another mm -hmm. person. Yeah, right? I like that. Yeah, I like that distinction. Yeah, it's a power within is what I'm trying to teach these men, you know, the ability to sit in the, the anxiety that inevitably rises when your feminine partner shares her pain. Cause often the, the pain might relate to you. He was the man. And so it's very powerful to be able to sit in that and be like, okay, all right, that's hard to hear, but I hear you. And then, you know, there's more to it, but yeah, I agree with that power over versus power. I, I would say power within. I don't know if you have a, another phrase for it. Well, personal power is, is something that you exert because you know yourself, you know what you want, you know your values, you know your vision for your life. Mm -hmm. You know that you're entitled to speak up and that mm -hmm. nobody can take away yeah. what you think, feel, need, want. Yeah. You're entitled to say those things. That's being in your power because I have the right to take up space and draw breath. Therefore, I have the right to mm -hmm. say what I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, what I think about me, when I'm thinking about my response to the world, you know, I make a distinction all the time, GS, is that you don't have the uh, right to say what someone else is thinking. Mm, yeah. But my definition of assertiveness is knowing that you have the right to take up space and draw breath. Therefore, you have the right to say what you think, feel, need, want, prefer, remember, as long as you do not mention another human by name or pronoun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, what you're talking about is speaking, what I, the term I use, and I got it from Decker Kunoff, 
speaking inarguably, because when you, when you speak about your own pain, your own inner dynamic, then, you know, you can't argue with me about my own inner dynamic. You can't tell me I shouldn't feel that way. And yeah, we want that on both sides. We want that on both sides, but particularly anybody who's been on the dominated side, you know, needs to be able to feel safe enough to speak like that. Exactly. And so that's what I mean by personal power is knowing that you've come back to that place because the dynamic can get very off. You know, if we look, if we think about the Tao symbol and how it's separated into two and there's one within the other on Mm -hmm. each side, when we're in a toxic relationship, the line of the middle moves way over to the edge (laughs) and somebody gets marginalized, right? And we don't want that to be continuing because that makes the relationship toxic and makes it uneven. Equal, and and there won't be reciprocity, and there can't be mutuality in that. And those are the hallmarks of a healthy adult relationship. Yeah. So we we need to understand that toxicity makes us feel badly, and that's a big thing. If you're feeling badly about yourself or the relationship in a constant way, you want to see what's poisoning the relationship. So I want to shift to the topic because there's so many things we could choose from. This book is a big book. It has lots (laughs) of pieces in it. So um, you talk about emotional oxygen. And (laughs) I think that that that's a wonderful thing to put some definition around. So what is it to you? Yeah, look, everybody... And I would posit that it's even more pronounced for the feminine. And and I use the feminine as an energy, not necessarily a gender reference, but you can apply it as you will. You know, you just want to be seen, felt, heard, received, understood. And every, every feminine partner I've had and most of the women who I talk to, they say, absolutely, I just want to be felt. I don't need you to fix it necessarily. You might get to that. But the first thing to really feed them this emotional oxygen is being felt, seen, understood. And that's what I'm trying to teach men. I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to do. I, I even struggle with it at times. Um, but it's the number one thing that takes a really uh, anxious emotional situation and brings mm-hmm. it down a notch, you know, and, and part, unfortunately men, what they do is they, they receive emotion from their woman and they try to meet it with information and logic and it never works. It Mr. never fix ever it. works. Mr. Mr. Fix it. Exactly. <laughs> or trying to convince you, you shouldn't be this way because you got some of the facts wrong. And of course that never, ever, 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 ever works. And so what I get men to do, and you probably read this in the book is feelings first facts later. That's one of the, so it's a sequencing thing. I try to teach men, like you don't have to let go of your truth, just sequence it skillfully. And you need to receive her pain. She wants to feel you feeling her pain. And you know, that's empathy when I can feel what you're feeling. And I always joke with the guys. I'm like, if you don't feel her pain, she's going to give you some new pain to feel. <laughs> so, yeah, she very well me. Yeah. So that's the emotional oxygen that I'm talking about is like, I don't need to be right at, you know, I don't need to fix the facts. I don't need to fix the situation. I just, I, I, what I need to do or what I choose to do is give you the emotional oxygen you're craving by hearing, seeing, understanding, at least trying to feel what you're feeling. And then what comes after that can be something different. So that's the emotional oxygen I think men need to give their women. Yes, I love that. I love that phrase. It's lovely. Um, And I would add a couple of things to that. 
in when in my books, I talk about everybody, everybody, male, female, anybody, wants to feel seen, heard, known, acknowledged, appreciated, and accepted. Yeah. Yeah. And I would add accepted to that list that you were you were putting out there because as a woman, you want to feel like you are accepted for as you are, just like mm-hmm. a man would. Mm-hmm. Not saying, well, I'd like you if you changed 14 things. <laughs> <laughs> but I accept you as you are. Because many times couples get into great difficulty running on the premise that I don't like these things. But after we've been together, after we get married, I will change those things. Mm-hmm. No, we must have a beginning place of acceptance. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still maybe talking points. I would like more of this or less of that or whatever. But basic acceptance of the other person is part of the dating process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Finding a person that you can accept and then you can grow from there. Yeah, and I think that requires to really go into those things, you know, to not gloss over, like you have this thing that you do and I, it bugs me. And I, I just assume that you'll change, you know, because I want you to change and I'm, but I'm not willing to address it and maybe even speak my own truth of like, Hey, when you, when you do that thing, like I feel, you know, X. And so I think, I think what you said is, is enabled by the, the courage to go into those things, to speak your truth in a loving, open way and be open to what comes back. Well, you just said a whole lot when we're talking about the masculine, be open to what comes back. <laughs> because again, in that in that equality definition, that's where things go sideways, I think, is that everybody wants to play the game of whose truth is a little more mm. true, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, that never happens. Come on, Dr. Shaler. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy. But, you know, that is the game. You know, let me explain a little more so that you will understand why my truth is a little more true. Yeah. And, but, but, and but, but. yeah, exactly. And if we get into that, then we're in an unending one upmanship, right? Spin down the drain. Yeah. Yes. It's really. And so we miss the things that we were hoping for and we deny the possibility of building the positive. Because mm-hmm. I am fighting for my life at that moment. Yeah. I want to be the one who's on the top of the pile. Right. Now, if we go with the toxic relationships in the traditional sense, people who have traits, patterns, cycles of personality disorders, there is an absolute need to be the king of the castle, the ruler of the roost, right? Male or female, they want to be king of the castle. <laughs> um, they want to be the one that all water runs downhill from me. I make the decisions. I make these things happen. You, you show me that you're good enough for me. You do what I want you to do. You be the person I want you to be. And if mm-hmm. that means 180 degree change in who you are, so be it. Mm-hmm. So that that's a, a different thing than having some toxicity in the way we relate to one another toxicity in the expectations we have of one another Mm -hmm. and the power dynamic can be really, really troublesome. So what happens and how do you know if the oxygen supply has been cut off? Uh, mm -hmm. Let's see. How do I answer that question? How do you know the oxygen supply? Well, you're going to, this is not the answer that you probably want to hear, but it's, it's going to start to feel irreparably toxic and shut down. Like that's the outgrowth when, 
when a, when any either partner, I guess I can't even specify a feminine partner, doesn't start to get that emotional oxygen, they start to shut down. And so many of my clients, it's really, I mean, you, you experience this too. It's it's it can be heartbreaking with some of the situations you work with clients on because I have a number of clients whose whose wives are absolutely shut down to them. They barely even speak to them. And the, the guys, they, they just don't know what to do. They feel so. And I try to get them to see one of the first things we do is I try to have them do an inventory of, of all the ways they, they probably have hurt their partner. And I help mm-hmm. them bring that out. And like, I think that's where some of the value at the beginning I bring to these men is helping them see like, when you do this, here's how it feels to her. And here's what's going to happen to her, you know, openness to you. And so we do that inventory so that men can see all the ways they may have hurt. And that's, that's the only way out I've seen when it gets that irreparably shut down. I mean, it's like, it's like tundra, you know, it can be so calcified at some point. And that's the, at least the first step uh, mm. to coming out of that, that calcification. And, you know, I, I also in that dynamic when I don't know if this happens with your clients, but it does with mine, when you suggest, well, how did you hurt her? And then you get the yes, but yes, but yes, but she hurt me. She hurt, you know, like, no, we're not talking about her right now. We're talking about you. Yeah. yeah. Well, (laughs) let me laugh first and then I'll make a reasonably intelligent point. But there's this kind of dynamic, like who goes first, right? Because everybody feels wronged, right? And so, no, she she knew. So here's, I'm really hard on my clients and I put all of the onus on them because if if they don't do that then they start looking for the path of least resistance which is sort of subliminally blaming her or subconsciously blaming her so i say men you've got to go first and it's got to be all about you and nothing about her efforts you'll get to it don't worry guys but it's got to be about you only because that's the only way you're going to open up your shutdown partner is if you if you don't blame her at first you can bring hurts later but if you go first it's powerful. And that's really, you know, when I, I use this phrase, masculine leadership, that is one instantiation of masculine leadership that I'm trying to teach. Like, look, you go first. Now, well, I teach Take the opposite. I, I say to both of the people, look, that's feminine leadership, too. Exactly. I mean, yeah. it, it, it it's not generic to either sex. I mean, it is... If you just understand the concept of delayed gratification for your truth being more true, you will have some understanding that, like you said, we'll get to it later. You know, don't worry, we'll get there. But if you come guns blazing and I'm right and let me show you all the ways you're wrong, it's Let me just explain this to you. (laughs) Yes, my child. Yes, my child. Yeah. I like the delayed, gra- I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'll just say this. I like the delayed gratification. Perfect phrase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the, the uh, response of an adult. The response yeah. of an adult is to be able to delay your gratification. This response of a child is I need it now and now. I need to go first. Now. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, imagine bringing children into a relationship where some person in the relationship has to be first. Right. Or a parent expecting their eight-year-old to go first. It's just ridiculous. Like they wouldn't be capable of that. So why are you expecting that in your adult relationships? Yeah, exactly. And so also to tie it into my field, many people who are hijackals, people who are toxic in relationships or, or create toxicity in relationships, you don't have to say more than five words that infer they may have a problem, and they regress to an emotional state of between Mm -hmm. three and seven years old. Yeah, (laughs) 
So they're going to fight or run. They're going to, um, you can't say that, you know, um, how dare you? All these things that come up, you know, I hate you. Um, All these childish things that come up. And then you get the petulant child. I'm going to go and sulk. And as you mentioned earlier, then I'm going to withhold myself from you. I'm going to go into the dreaded silent treatment. People ask me in my groups all the time, GS, they say, well, what happens? What should I do when my partner goes silent? And I say, celebrate, enjoy the quiet. Mm -hmm. Right? Don't go begging. Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, because it's a power dynamic. That's exactly what they want you to do. Mm -hmm. You just simply say, when you're ready to talk, I'll be here to listen and then Mm -hmm. go on and enjoy the quiet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's funny you bring that up because I actually just by chance have about four clients all at the same time and they all have the same thing. They actually feel a lot inside, but they don't express it and they didn't even know they didn't express it. Mm. But And so their wife experiences them as emotionless stonewalls. And it's weird because they do feel deeply internally and they really want to connect with their wife. And they just, the way that they occur to their feminine partner is as stonewalls. Mm-hmm. And so I'm getting that. I think that's a, you know, it's not just maliciously that men would do that and, and be sort of still faced, which I'm sure you're familiar with that phrase. Um, sometimes they do it unconsciously and they don't even know they're doing it. And so I'm coaching these men of how to bring out what's inside, you know, and externalize it. Very important. And, you know, I I think you, you were using the word still-faced. Well, we do have resting faces. We have all kinds of things that we ascribe to one another. Mm-hmm. But it is really important for us to understand that our nonverbals come across very strongly, which is yeah. just tweak that thought that we hadn't brought it up, that we're talking about the ways we communicate verbally so far, but the ways we communicate nonverbally, we turn from our partners, we mm-hmm. refuse yeah. to make eye contact, yeah. we um, are too busy, we say things as we leave the room and, you know, just put the wound out there and then scurry off to the yeah we even subtle ways like i you know i text you but i don't it's like a kind of a business businessy text like no maybe emojis or you know some ways that i would normally be expressive and i start withholding so even in the like the most subtle way we do men do that and i think women can do that too we all do that to each other at times oh i think so so i want to want to tie some things to your book so on page 262 you say the masculine just wants to quote unquote do it right what do you mean Well, I definitely learned this one from my mentors, David and John. So I'll give credit where credit is due. But the masculine wants to win. We always have a scoreboard in our mind, you know. And so is she happy? She's not happy. I'm losing. I'm oh shit. You know, it's just it's um, unfortunately we we just we want to do it right. We want things to be smooth and steady. Uh, We want to resolve everything, put it in a bow, and and put it to rest. It's 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 the male. It's sorry, not male. I'm going to say it's a masculine sort of competitiveness in some ways. And so we, you know, when things go wrong and you're disappointed in us or upset with us, it re- it's hard for us. It's really, really hard for us in a way that might surprise you. How deep it's it hard for you. I understand that. But if you happen to be a raving hijackal, it's not hard for you at all. You are very, very happy that you won. And that was the only thing that mattered. Mm-hmm. And you're delighted in fact, like, oh, got over that one. Well, let's, can we make a distinction here? There's, there's a difference between being right 
and doing it right. And I, I want to draw that distinction because I think my phrase on that page you mentioned is, it's more about the latter. It's not about being right and winning. It's like, I just want you to be happy with me. You know, that's what it really comes down to. Ah. So when, when you're disappointed, it's really, it's hard for us. Um, uh, I'm present company included here. Um, so I do want to draw that distinction because I think that's important. Um, I don't, it's not healthy to want to be right. That's, that's not healthy at all. Right. Well, the first thing that you said when I asked you that question is, well, men just want to win. And that is being right. <laughs> well, then I'll, I'll recast it in the context of, of doing it right, you know, and, and keeping the peace, really. It's like there's a peace scoreboard. And is she happy with me or not? Oh, I'm, she's not, so I'm losing. I think that's more what I mean. Okay. Well, that's a very important distinction because hijackals yeah. keep score. Yeah, that's you know? very unhealthy. The, yeah, the way that you, the context you're describing, very unhealthy and, and very toxic. Yes. Yeah, so listeners, if you want to learn more about GS's work, you can go to gsyoungblood.com, just as it sounds, gsyoungblood.com. You can find his book, I'm sure, at Amazon and every mm-hmm. other place you might look for books. And, uh, you know, I've shown you this deeply masculine cover. There's no question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm glad you noticed. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a question that I had further on the masculine always wants to do it right is, um, or do they want to go to solutions so the problem will go away? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, we want to we want to fix it. We want to fix it with logic. And we think that information and logic can fix these things. Oh, no, no, I didn't mean it like that. You know, that's that's no, I didn't quite say it like that. I said what I said, you know. Of course, that never works when, when the other person is feeling emotional. So, yes, we, we want things to always resolve. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the masculine wants to land things and bring them to rest, these interpersonal things. My experience, although I'd love to hear your, your take on this, my experience is the feminine wants to get in there and actually kind of, as, as my teacher John says, you know, tussle a little bit in the emotionality. We, you want to you wanna interact, you want to examine it and, and go into it. We want to resolve it and put it to rest. And that's, I think, uh, something I try to get my clients to understand, you know, like you got to, her oxygen is, is wanting to go into the emotionality, not resolve it. You mm-hmm. know? And by going into it, it will resolve faster than you actually ever experienced before, quite frankly. Well, I think that's true. And I would add to this that women process in global ways where men process in more linear ways. Mm-hmm. So men will go, well, there is the problem. Here's some fixes. We could do this. Let's start there. A woman goes, I'm not finished telling you all the pieces that are connected to this. Yes. <laughs> you know, so, whoa, boy, I just sit yeah, there and, and hear what mm-hmm. I have to say about this because I want to talk about what I'm feeling and I want to connect it to other things. And it's not about blame. It's the fact that she's processing globally and there's this piece from last week and there's this piece from my mother and there's all these pieces and I need to wrap them up and give them to you so you know what I'm talking about. And if you shut that conversation down too early, you miss the richness that it has. Very true. And the, the key thing that, that popped up for me in what you said is we experience it as blame. And I think that's where we go sideways. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, yes, you might be saying, here's your little piece of this, but there's a bigger picture. And unfortunately, we think it's all about us. And we go a little narcissistic and like we think you're blaming us. And then we go into our own threat state and go into a panic and have all our dysfunctional behaviors. But that's where men, I think, is, is can you receive without taking on the blame? 
Except insofar as like there's a kernel of truth in something and you might actually learn from her reflection. Ah. Uh, yeah, I know. Crazy. Startling. Startling. Well, th- that's what I, I know it is. But that's what I actually try to tell men. Like what could be true? You might, you, okay, you've got this narrative that she's, she's being crazy and blaming you. But what is the kernel in that that actually could be true? And that's what I want you, my client, to focus on for the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, what could be true in that? Okay. So very important distinctions. I hope everyone listening is is really thinking deeply about that because they're subtle in some cases. Some are more obvious, but some are more subtle. And don't reflect on what your partner does. Reflect on what you do. When we're talking about these things, instead of saying, oh, you always do that, say, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. Right? Do the self-inquiry first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the important thing. Do the self-reflection because if you're hearing these things and these are new ideas to you or there's something you'd like to try, start within yourself, not telling the other. Because I work with so many clients who have hijackal partners or parents or siblings or whatever, we'll come to that place where the hijackal only hears um, the blame, only Mm, hears the blame and then responds entirely to that. And yeah. that that's just not going to move us forward. So there's so yeah. many things we could talk about. So I want to talk about page 84. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I, I remember that too, page 84. Yeah. I wish okay. Okay. Yes, I know. <laughs> um, so this is a page that starts with in bold. It says, aren't we equal partners? Mm, okay. You'll have to give me more context. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. So it says, now some of you may be wondering why you want her to follow your lead. I definitely was. You may tell yourself that you like a capable woman and that you're okay with the two of you as being, quote unquote, equal partners. Again, this is a choice you can make, but be aware of where that road leads, both of you waiting for the other to lead. Rather than ever being bold, you're simply waiting for her to express her preferences and then adopt that as a direction. Meanwhile, down at the biological level, she's wanting you to show some leadership once in a while, and thus you deny her the gift of your masculine direction by never providing structure, leaving her to make all her own decisions, and leaving her to solve all of her emotional problems. Yeah, I I believe that modern culture is teaching a lot of men. I'm not saying all modern culture and all men. I'm just saying there's elements of modern culture, and some men are being receptive to this. The way they take it in is, okay... We're absolutely equal and everything's got to be collaborative and I'm going to check in with you on everything. And it's like, they, unfortunately, they take it too far and they start to lose any sense of what they need, want, prefer, and what their boundaries are. They lose any sense of like, you know what, baby, I'm going to just give this example off the cuff. But it's like, put on the red dress. I'm taking you out to dinner. I'll let you know when we, you know, I'll let you know later what we're going, you know, where they're just like, all right, get on my ride, baby. And so they start to that that inner signal of like, what do I like? And and actually, I'm going to take you on a ride, or I'm going to bring some directionality. They just lose all touch with that, and they and they swing too far the other way. So I think that's really what I'm referring to is it's like don't lose that sense of self and what you need and want, and don't lose that sense of once in a while taking her on your ride. Don't lose that sense of this is what I think we should do. And the phrase that I teach men is. Baby, you know, this is what I think we should do in con- whatever the context is. How does that land for you? So I teach them to bring uh, this. I promise, this is the last thing I'll say, Dr. Shaler, but I teach them to bring some direction, but also inclusiveness. It's not, you know, it's not telling her what to do. It's not control. It's clarity and direction, but also inclusiveness of like, does that work for you? 
So yeah, okay, about. we're gonna we're gonna talk about this one because I hearing that, I want to go. Mm, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, because he, you know, here's what I want you to do. Absolutely, no possible way that that's going to work unless I have absolute faith, trust, and I know oh. who you are that you respect me. If yeah. I know that and I feel totally safe, yeah. I would be like, put on the red dress. And I'm going to take you somewhere special. I would be like, oh, great, because yeah. I can trust this guy. Yeah. But if you say to me, put on the red dress, I'm going to take you somewhere special. I, say, I don't feel like wearing red today. Tell me where we're going and I'll choose something appropriate. Mm-hmm. And now all the mystique went out of it. All the fun <laughs> went out of it. All of that because there's a lack of safety. Yeah. I don't trust you, guy. I, I love that you brought this up. Um Somewhere else in the book, I, I, I don't know which chapter it is, quite frankly, but one of the things I talk about is exactly what you said. You, um, you can't just roll, like guys, you don't just roll in and expect that because you're a guy that the, you're the leader. You actually have to earn it. And you have to, uh, number one, there has to be trust. Number two, there has to be safety. Number three, there has to be connection. And I, I tell this embarrassing story <laughs> of, of my own life of I hadn't seen my girlfriend at the time. Uh, We both went to Amsterdam and we met there because she was elsewhere. And we hadn't seen each other in about three weeks. We talked, but we hadn't seen each other. And so I, I, I tried to be playful on the way in from the airport. And I was like, baby, put on that, put on that black dress I love and meet me down at the, the, uh, I don't know, the the bar or the lounge, you know, down on the corner from the hotel. And I, I was being playful and kind of playfully dominant. And she was having none of it. And she was having none of it because we hadn't seen each other in three weeks. Yes. And so even though there was trust and safety generally, even in the micro moment of our life, it's like we hadn't reconnected. So there, and we've been together for years at that point and healthily, recently healthily too. So yes, it's gotta be trust, safety and connection first. And and you, as a man, if like, if you're going to lead, you got to be attuned to your woman. Is the, is the connection there before you do any of this? Because otherwise she's going to resist you, which I think is, is exactly what you said. So believe it or not, we're actually very aligned on that. It's like you've got you've to be attuned to these things before you bring any kind of leadership to the relationship or the, the kind that I'm talking about. Yes. So I just want to uh, talk about something I just heard. Oh, is that a red flag? You're <laughs> it is a red flag. Oh, I love it. You just used the term twice. You said that you are the leader in the relationship ah, as I'm opposed so to a yeah. leader. A leader, yeah. Yeah. And let me let me correct myself because I think if as you go through the book, I do make the point that it's not the leader. It is you're bringing your v- version of leadership. And then there's, as you already pointed out, there is feminine leadership. So I, I stand corrected on that and, and absolutely agree with it. You, it's, not bringing, about, it's not about correction, GS. It's about letting listeners understand exactly what we're talking about. Because a slip like that, if you just happen to be in a heightened state of anxiety or arousal mm-hmm. or your anger yeah. or something, and you said, well, I'm just trying to be the leader in this relationship. Oh, that could cause you years of grief. Don't go there, right? <laughs> that is not a wise place to go. Yeah. So I want to uh, conclude our, our time together by asking one question. Mm-hmm. Is what's the best way for a man to respond when the woman is really angry at him? Empathy. And you Empathy. mean by that what? Feeling what she's feeling. 
I'm trying to be as brief as possible to keep it simple. This is in chapter 14, where the whole chapter is about how to deal with uh, uh, your partner when she's angry. And empathy is the number one thing. You don't have to say anything special necessarily at first, but you've got to pause and just like, what is it like to be in her shoes right now? What is it like at an emotional level? What would that be like without trying to figure out why she shouldn't feel that way or how she has the facts wrong? Like, what is that? And can you, can you go into that? And then whatever you say next, if it can come from that place, you are about a thousand percent more likely to have a quicker reconnection with her than if you go some other route. You know, there's a wonderful book, uh, old book now, and I know the authors, <laughs> um, they're no longer a couple, but they were when they wrote the book, and it's called, Do I Have to Give Up Me to Be Loved by You? Mm. And there is this wonderful distinction in conversations where there may be some tension or conflict is to understand and ask yourself, which end of the spectrum am I leaning to? Am I leaning to um, being with the intent to defend myself? Mm-hmm. Or am I leaning to the intent to be curious about the speaker? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is in that moment, and you're delaying your gratification, I would advise my clients to lean in and be curious about the speaker rather than coming from the intent to de- be defensive or defend myself. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't agree with you more. And actually, curiosity, I think, is the second one on the list, you know, uh, or the third one of the two. Yeah. So, yeah, there is curiosity, you know. Um, yeah, I totally very, I, very could, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Yes. What's that? Yeah. Like, wow. So when I, you know, dropped the, put the towel on the, on the table, like you felt X like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Getting greater clarity what it's like to be the other person. Mm-hmm. And know too, that when we're dealing with hijackals, there is a low empathy scale on the hijackals part. Yeah. Like what do you mean I should care about how you feel or what you think? I just yeah. want to tell you how it is. Yeah. And so those are differences. And when we're dealing with creating healthy relationships, all the things that we're talking about today are really good. Mm-hmm. They will help you deepen the emotional intimacy. But before you can deepen emotional intimacy, you have to be an emotional grown-up. Um, <laughs> you have to be emotionally mature. Yeah. And don't put the cart before the horse, everybody. <laughs> you you have to become and do your own work to become emotionally mature. An example of that, GS, I use for my people, mm-hmm. is if you ask a question of a partner, an emotionally immature person is only really okay with one answer. Mm-hmm. But an emotionally mature person can hear either one and carry on the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that characterization. Yeah, that feels right. So these are things, if we want emotional intimacy, there's lots of wonderful stuff for you in GS's book. And here it is, The Masculine in Relationship, a blueprint for inspiring the trust, lust, and devotion of a strong woman or any woman. Mm. Well, uh, the, the joke is, there's like an inside joke there. Maybe it's just with myself, but it's like, Pretty much, mo- all, pretty much all the women I know are, are strong women, you know. So it's like the joke is every woman's a strong woman, as they should be. Yeah, that's right. And if she isn't, then you know, don't be putting it further down the road for her. <laughs> yeah, and don't don't take advantage of it if she no. can see it for herself. Yeah, not at all. Well, thank you so much for these great insights. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, me too, Doctor Shiloh. Appreciate you having me on. 
My guest today is G.S. Youngblood. He is the author of The Masculine and Relationship. You can tell he has gold for you. So go on over to gsyoungblood.com. Look into his website, learn more about that, and then grab a copy of the book. I have to tell you, when I got this book and it was so masculine, I just wanted to leave it over there, right? (laughs) (laughs) But you didn't because I saw you marked it up. (laughs) Oh, I did mark it up. I've got lots of little things in the top to to say, but, you know, don't don't be uh, concerned about it talking one, in one-sided way because it doesn't talk about that. It's talking about exactly what the title says, the masculine in relationship. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. talking from one side of the relationship, the coming from the masculine side and energy of the relationship. And that could actually be in any relationship. It could even be women operating from their masculine more Mm -hmm. dominantly. So very important things. So I hope that you've enjoyed this conversation today. I certainly have. Go to gsyoungblood.com. Ask him your questions. Connect with him if you want to know more. And to get his book, The Masculine in Relationship. And you know what I'm going to say. Oh, yes. I was was going to say one thing. Instagram at GS Youngblood, M-I-R. It's a good way to connect with me because you can look at my work and message me as well. Right. All that's in the show notes. So don't worry about remembering that, everybody. But you know what I'm going to say is that until we talk again, treat yourself very well because you matter. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Learn more about how to work with me via video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon.